In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. This is a big day in our house. We are six weeks post-accident with my daughter. I am sure you heard all about it in the power of adversity and overcoming adversity at the start of the year. We'll see how this all turns out, and I appreciate so many of you reaching out. We're doing really well. I actually shared in our email list that she has decided that she heard Darian Stevens, a U.S. Olympic skier, skied with two broken wrists, and she's like, well, I have two broken wrists and a broken elbow. I guess I could be an Olympic skier someday, and we've been skiing. So we'll see how her recovery continues to go, but so far, so good. There's also a theme of adversity in this episode, and I love this conversation with Andy Storch, so I'm not going to spend too much time on our introduction. I will say, if you are loving these episodes, please share it with a friend. We are very close to 50,000 downloads of Ordinary Sherpa, and I would love if you are enjoying these episodes, if you love the topics, please share it with someone you know, a friend, a family member, a stranger, anyone who loves adventure and doing these things in simple and authentic ways. Adventure is possible for families. Andy Storch is an author, speaker, consultant, coach, connector, and facilitator specializing in helping people own their careers and do the best work of their lives. He is the host of three podcasts, Talent Development Hot Seat, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, and My NFT Journey. He's also the author of Own Your Career, Own Your Life book and an active member in the Ordinary Sherpa Facebook group and past participant of the Everyday Adventure Challenge. Andy, though, strategically worked to design his life in 2021 to allow his family the freedom to own their life by spending 40 days on a road trip with his wife, two kids, and family dog in a minivan. I had the luxury of hosting Andy and exposing him to the hidden gems of Northeast Wisconsin and sharing many of our little family tips and tricks along the way. Andy, I have been waiting so long to have this conversation. I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. Heidi, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction, that welcome. I'm honored, and I've been waiting for this as well. I mean, you and I have become good friends over the last year or so. You hosted us at your house, and I'm excited to be on the podcast and share whatever I can to help your community. I feel like you are one of the experts in owning your life and your career, obviously. But for this podcast, I think lifestyle design is something that so many people struggle with. They don't think they, I don't know, deserve it or how to get there. It's just so overwhelming. So let's talk a little bit about your own journey and how you designed this life that you love. Take us back to, you know, wherever you want to start with it. But how are you able to get to this place, though, to design a life that you love? Yeah, it's an important question because not a lot of people have this luxury and a lot of people, even worse, think that it's not possible for them. And, you know, I'll tell my story, but I maybe want to start with this idea. You didn't mention the word success, but something I think about, and especially in the business world, people talk about success. And the question is, what is success, right? A lot of people think like, oh, 
success is being a vice president or CEO or some kind of title or making you know six figures or some amount of money or getting respect or admiration from a community or something like that. But I think of success as being happy with your life. Like if you're happy with your life and you make $38,000 a year and someone else makes 140,000, but they're miserable, like I think you're more successful than them. Because at the end of the day, like what else matters, right? There's no trophy at the end of life or awards for having the best title or making the most money. So I want to design a career and a life that makes me happy. And I have learned some of the things that are very fulfilling for me. One of them is growth and another one is contribution. So let's back up. I had a, you know, semi-normal career, you know, for the first, let's say 15 years or so. I grew up in Florida, central Florida, um, went to college at the University of Florida where I met my wife, Courtney, who you've met. And after that, we moved to California and we both got grad degrees. I got my MBA from USC Marshall School of Business. And, you know, before that, I discovered this idea of entrepreneurship right after college from reading a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, which I know many people who are entrepreneurs or have looked into it are familiar with. Before that, I had never heard of, I didn't know what entrepreneurship was. There are no entrepreneurs in my family. And I read this book and decided like, oh, that's what I need to do. I need to be an entrepreneur. Well, I tried a few things. I joined some startups. I started some like small little companies when I lived in Los Angeles and everything was a complete failure. I worked for some really awful bosses who were like tyrants and jerks and, and like everything you shouldn't do as a leader and learned some hard lessons there. And then I went to work in the corporate space and I got a job in the insurance world, which led to another job. And these were like fine companies and good paying jobs, but they were not matches what I learned later for my skill set. And so I was generally kind of miserable. Now, along the way, I was having a lot of fun. I wasn't like completely miserable. I was building a network. I was making a lot of friends. I was going out and drinking and having fun all the time. And this is pre-kid life, right? So <laughs> like, <laughs> like when you can do these things, watching a lot of sports and I was having fun, but I was not going anywhere in my career and I was never very happy at work. I thought maybe getting an MBA would help with that, but I still didn't quite find the right thing. Until 2010, I was 30 years old and I got this opportunity to join this consulting company. They moved me to San Francisco and it was kind of like a dream job because I get to do a lot of different things. I get to build these learning programs for companies, business simulations, and travel all over the world running workshops for executives and managers like teaching finance and leadership and strategy. And I was all over North America, Europe, Asia, like Australia, you name it, like all over the place. And it was really fantastic experience. And I also got to observe a lot of people and like what was success and what was not and people being happy and not happy in their career. And I saw a lot of people, you know, kind of drifting through their careers like I had been earlier in my career and operating in reaction mode. And, you know, I kind of put that away in my head. You know, I wonder if there's something that can be done to help some of these people. The beginning of 2016, I was in a position where I was making six figures. I had one kid and another one on the way. And on paper, ostensibly, everything about my life looked great. But I was not very happy inside. I was not very fulfilled. I felt like something was missing. I mean, my life was good. I was not miserable again, but I felt like something was missing. And that's when I discovered personal development. And the way it came to me was I was listening to a podcast, much like people are listening to this one right now. And I heard a man named Hal Elrod talking about something called The Miracle Morning. And I immediately got that book and I read it like two days later. And I started practicing this early morning routine that he prescribes in The Miracle Morning. And I started doing meditation 
and visualization and using affirmations and a journal and reading more, all these things that I hadn't been doing. And it opened up this whole world of personal development to me and allowed me to start learning a lot more about myself. And one of the things that I learned and realized was that I still love this idea of entrepreneurship and I've never really liked working for anybody else. So maybe I should really pursue this. And I started listening to more podcasts and discovering people giving guidance on this, reading more books. And eventually, like an opportunity came my way to leave the company I was with to go become an independent consultant with a smaller group. And then, you know, we can talk about like what happened with the pandemic hit and all that stuff. But eventually yeah. I went out completely on my own. And what I love today, you know, I realized that I love running my own business. I love the risk that comes with it. I love the rewards that come with it. I love being able to design my life and my business. Now, this is not a commercial for go become an entrepreneur and start your own business, right? Because <laughs> what I've found is like, that's what's right for me, but that's not right for everybody. And so what owning your career is about and owning your life is about figuring out what is right for you and then going and pursuing that, you know, putting fears aside and going and pursuing that career and that life, you know, doesn't matter what has happened up to that point. And so as I was getting into the entrepreneur space, Heidi, you probably heard this many times, People say, well, if you don't like your job, you need to quit the nine to five and go start your own business. And like that worked for me, but I've talked to a lot of clients and people who are like, I have no interest in being an entrepreneur, right? Like I want the security, I like working on a team, you know, whatever it is. And so I wanted to, you know, if I could tie this back into my book to create a guidebook to help people take ownership of their career, even if, or especially if they were going to be remaining as employees in companies and not necessarily starting their own business. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for that journey because I think that is part of, you know, I didn't mention success, but I was so glad you brought it up because I am a career woman, right? And I am a mom and I didn't want adventure to not be a part of my story. And I hated this, I guess, definition of success being something with life and something with work. And I was like, well, wait a minute, why is work getting half of the pie? Like I want the pie to be so many different slices other than just work and then life. And so I really appreciate the fact that you're talking about, you know, that there's not one formula for owning your life. There's not one formula for owning your career. It's not one path. It's very unique to each individual skill sets and their aspirations. Yeah. I think one of the reasons I have followed you so closely is that you exude this attitude, like this positive attitude. And we can talk a little bit about your journey because as you mentioned, it's not like life has always been this positive experience right. and you know, everything just kind of fell in your lap. It certainly had to overcome some adversity, but your attitude and working through adversity has been really inspirational for me. Do you want to talk just about some of the adversities you've had to overcome and what that looks like? Sure. Yeah. Because we all face challenges and I'm sure there's some people listening to this going, well, I don't like my job and I don't know what to do and I don't have the resources or whatever. You know, we all face these different challenges and we all get to try and design the life we want. And, you know, just take it back. You were commenting on this idea of success. And, you know, if you are a parent, like you and I both have kids, and I think we're very intentional about wanting to be great parents, mothers and fathers, and be there with our kids and have a good time with our kids. That's part of what we're intentional about in designing our careers. And sometimes there's a trade-off there, right? If you're running your own business or you're working in a career, you know, let's say you decide that your goal is to be CEO one day that might require you to work 60 to 70 hours a week. And that's okay. There's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that as long as you're honest about like, well, that's my goal versus saying, 
yeah, I want to be successful in my career, but I want to make sure I'm home for dinner with my family every single night. That's great too. And so that gets designed into how you want to own your career, your life. Like for me, I run a business that I think is pretty successful. It could certainly be better, but I'm committed to having dinner with my family every night and, you know, having adventures and things. We can talk about all that. But like, if I wasn't, if all I cared about was growing my business, then I would work more than I do. Right. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me too, last week I hosted this retreat for a community I run. And there was a woman there who does not have kids and she's starting a new job, new career. And she was saying, I want to do all these things, but I worry that I work too much. I'm kind of a workaholic. And I was like, well, first of all, that's a judgment on yourself. Right. And second of all, like if you don't have kids or other obligations and work makes you happy, like you don't have to feel guilty about working. Just make sure that you're doing the things that you want to do. And it came out that she wanted to spend more time on her health and things like that. So like, let's start to design that life and career and schedule that you want and then work towards that. Now, as you mentioned, like we can set a vision and start to design a career or a life that we want. There are going to be challenges that come up along the way. So I mentioned earlier that like early in my career, I tried to be an entrepreneur and nothing worked. I had jobs that didn't work out for me. There was actually a point when I was working for an insurance company that I realized what some of my skills were, my strengths were, and that I wasn't utilizing them at all. You know, I'm more of a people person and I was in a very analytical job. And I'm pretty good with spreadsheets, but it's not what I enjoy doing all day, right? <laughs> right. And so there was a point where I went to my manager and I said, I think that we would both get more value and my skills would be utilized more if I was out in the field talking to agents and doing this and that. And he basically said, no, get back to work, is basically what he said. And, you know, that's okay. I always encourage people to have that conversation because a lot of times you never know how supportive your manager might be. But if they're not, then you also have more certainty. You have an answer. And at that point, I knew like, okay things are not going to work out for me in this company. And I eventually left. So that was, you know, one challenge. More recently, you know, going back to 2020, going back to 2019, actually, as an example I gave in my book, I was organizing a conference with my friend Bennett Phillips. And I don't know if you and I knew each other. I don't think we knew each other mm, yet. I don't think and so. Heidi. And so I started this podcast a few years ago and it started to grow. And we decided to host a conference and we spent all year in 2019 marketing and trying to sell out this conference. And it started gaining real momentum towards the end of the year in August, September. And the conference was planned for November and we sold it out and we were pumped. And it was planned for a venue in Santa Rosa, California, which is in Sonoma County. And at the time there were these wildfires that were going on. And there was one called the Kincaid wildfire. We get a lot of these these days. And the wildfire came right into town and the hotel was evacuated one week before the conference. We got this call saying like, the hotel's been evacuated, like you're not having a conference. And I had people flying in from all over the world, like the UK, the Caribbean islands to come to this event. And so we got to send an email to 150 people and say, hey, this conference is not happening. That event, now we were able to reschedule it for January, but it was still a big challenge. You know, it was a major challenge. And that event was the catalyst for something I wrote about in my book, which helped me later when I started to face bigger challenges. So when I face challenges like that, I like to ask myself three questions. Number one is, what is great about this? Because there are almost always silver linings in every challenge. You know, that one created new opportunities. You know, COVID is one I talk about a lot that it was, you know, later after the conference happened, you know, my business was growing. I was flying around the country running in-person training programs and COVID shut everything down. My business got completely shut down. It went away. All clients went away. Income went away. What's great about this though, and what has been great about it is that, you know, Heidi, you and I are both very passionate about being good parents and, and husbands and wives, right? I had been traveling a ton 
And I didn't travel anymore. I've been home with my family, you know, almost every day for the last two years because of that. So it was major silver linings. The second question is, what can I learn from this? And there are a lot of lessons that come out of all these situations with the wildfire, like, oh, maybe next time we do this, we should have some insurance in place in case like something completely shuts our event down and we should be more prepared, like have contingencies and things like that. And then the third question, because a lot of challenges are our own doing as well. And that's where the, what can I learn from this question is really important. The third question is, what does this make possible? Because I believe that most challenges can be turned into opportunities and open up new opportunities. And what happened was we moved that conference from November to January. And there were some people who had not bought tickets for the November event because they couldn't come, who ended up buying tickets and coming in January. And some of those people have become clients. They have become friends. And I never would have met them if it wasn't for the wildfire essentially shutting our conference down. So really great opportunities that came out of that. Now, to get to bigger challenges, what you were alluding to, obviously I mentioned COVID was a major challenge for me and my business, but I got past that and was actually having a really great year in 2020. I'd been working on this book all year. I published the book in November 2020. And two days later, or back up just a little bit before that in October, I started experiencing a lot of pain and I eventually found out that I had testicular cancer. And two days after I published my book, I went in surgery and, and had my left testicle removed. Oh, that's not TMI. And uh, <laughs> life. <laughs> so then I, you know, had the surgery, was in bed for a couple of weeks. You know, that was kind of a bummer because I had just published this book. And like, I know you're working on a book right now. And it's like, you want to do this big launch and be out there marketing and stuff. And it's just not quite as possible, right? But I was able still to, you know, lay in bed, lay on the couch. I was able to do a lot of stuff on my phone, quite frankly. Like, it's awesome mm -hmm. what we can do, you know, in the 21st century. But I later found out, I did scans and found out that the cancer had spread to my stomach and to my neck at stage 2C, I think, testicular cancer. And doctors wanted me to do chemo. I was still in a lot of pain. And so this was a pretty big challenge and also a setback for me in what I wanted to do with my business and my brand. But I'm a big fan of you know taking a growth mindset, taking an ownership mindset. I don't ever want to be a victim of circumstances if I can avoid it. And so the way I looked at it was like, this is the challenge that I get to face right now, right? Like, this is not what I would have chosen, not what I would have planned for, but this is what we get to deal with as a family. And we're going to do everything we can to make sure that we handle it well and get past it as quickly and as safely as possible. And I'm going to take full ownership of this situation. So I started doing a lot of research. I read a lot of books about cancer and nutrition, started making a lot of changes in my diet and taking supplements and doing all kinds of different things in addition to what doctors wanted me to do. Also investing in a lot of alternative treatments and, you know, made it through, did chemo for, you know, over the course of I think, three months at the beginning of 2021, finished with that in, you know, March, April timeframe. And, you know, as of today, I'm, I'm completely cancer-free. I'm back to normal, hair's back, all that sort of stuff. But a couple of things that got me through like those hardest days was one, remembering the nature of impermanence and a phrase that my friend Lauren Davis taught me, which was that this is how it is right now. And so like when you're facing that hard challenge, you're having that really hard day, you know, whether it's cancer or you had a tough conversation with your boss, remembering that like this feeling, this thing that I'm going through is not going to last forever, right? Like this, we will get to the other side of this. And the other one is, well, three things. So that I meditated every single day, like, you know, calming the mind, because I think that's really important for mental health. And then the other piece was gratitude. I wrote down my gratitude every single day. I still do. But throughout that journey and remembering that no matter what 
we're going through, no matter how bad the challenge is, how difficult it is, we can always find things to be grateful for, right? Our family, friends, roof over our head, food on the table, a nice cup of coffee, cool weather, whatever it is, like you can find gratitude and you could even be grateful for the challenge that you're going through. So, you know, even like halfway through this, I started writing down every day that I was grateful for this cancer. And I truly am because it created opportunities in my life. It allows me to talk about these things and hopefully help other people who are going through this. And I truly believe that everything in life happens for me. Everything is a blessing. So I'm choosing to see it that way and try to turn this into an opportunity. And that's how I like to see most challenges that come my way. Now, some are a lot tougher than others. You know, sometimes it's hard. You lose a loved one. What's great about this? Like, that's not always easy, right? But, you know, there are always lessons that we can learn. And there are usually silver linings that come out of these things. And I'm always looking for those. And, you know, hopefully going to use this to help other people get through tough challenges as well. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I remember being just stunned really by your attitude and how you were in the midst of all of this pain and struggle. And I had been around people with cancer. I'm like, wait a minute, he can't possibly have cancer. Like, look at him up and moving and, you know, just so grateful for what was happening. But I think for me, as someone who was trying to support you, however I could, it just gave me hope that Mm. I see Andy going through this and whatever I'm working with today, Andy's got it harder and yet look at his attitude. So that attitude, I think, really helped just give us hope for <laughs> and I yeah. know that seems weird. Like I had more hope being around you, even though I knew you were struggling with the cancer and the diagnosis and just life, right? The family yeah. and the career and all those things that we're embarking on at the same time. I appreciate that. And that's one of the reasons I shared a lot of my journey on social media along the way, because I have a lot of friends who wanted a glimpse into like what was going on, but also to kind of share my mindset on it to hopefully inspire other people because I know everybody has their own challenges, right? And it's, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, you know, I knew you had cancer and I was like, I shouldn't complain about what I have going on. And it's like, it's not a competition, right? Like whatever challenge you're facing, like it seems like the worst thing in the world in the moment for you, no matter what it is, right? Whether it's relationship or health or job related. And, you know, there's hope, like you can get through it. And to take it back, like I have a chapter in my book about mindset. And I truly believe mindset at its essence is really our outlook and our perception on the world. And whether things are good or bad are completely up to your interpretation. So like, is cancer bad? Like, yeah, of course, we don't want to be sick and we don't want the possibility of dying and all those things. But you get to choose how you perceive your journey and whether things are good or bad. And there was a moment where... I had, I was going through this and you know I'm posting these positive messages on social media. And my dad is like, what are you doing? Like, you need to like come to grips with the fact that your life just like sucks right now. And I was like, no, it doesn't, dad. Like, I think my life is great. Like, yeah, this is hard. Like, it sucks. It's not what I would have chosen, but I'm not relenting to that. I'm not giving into that. Like, I still think my life is great. I still think 2021 was my best year ever, you know, despite all the challenges. And, and it was because I got through that, right? And then I got back to running my business. I started achieving some major goals. You know, one of my main goals was when I published my book was become like a paid speaker. I hadn't really done that in the past. And now I'm doing regular paid keynote talks in lots of different companies. Like I grew that, I made that after that. And we also took this great road trip over the summer, you know, and like you said, 40 day road trip with family and it was awesome. So 2021 was a great year. Yeah. Let's talk about the road trip. And I want to talk to, you know, there's a lot of things in this message that just aligns so much with adventure mindset, because I think, you know, the idea that 
pain is sometimes temporary or the challenge is temporary, that this is an experience, it's uncomfortable, but often you can choose to come back to comfort. Like it doesn't, you know, there's a point in there where you make the decision to come back into a comfort zone that it doesn't have to be a permanent thing. Yeah. I know to talk, I mean, very different experience, but my daughter just had a mountain bike accident and we've talked about, you know, she has two broken arms, five broken bones total, had emergency surgery while we were in Texas. And, you know, I wouldn't have chosen that path. However, I've also seen her mindset is just astonishing because Mm. I see her and I'm thinking, oh, we're never going to bike again. Our adventure life is over. And here I'm like projecting this as a mom. And I asked my daughter, I'm like, so should we just sell your bike? And she was like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm just not going to ride it tomorrow, mom. Like, come on. Right. (laughs) It's so interesting how your mindset can really project the opportunities that are still ahead and how much you can learn. And we can model that. For our kids, I was thinking about that, you know, what you went through recently. And I actually, like, again, like, I think there's no comparing, there's no competition, but it's scary watching your kids go through things. And I thought about that a lot as I was going through my own cancer. I was like, at least it's not my kids, because that would be much, 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 much worse. I don't know how I would handle that. If it's me, I know how to handle it. Like, I can know how to handle me. Helping other people is harder, and especially kids or those you really, really love. So, you know, I know that was tough to get through, but you guys made it through. And like, I've seen the smile on her face, like it yeah. face in the pictures and, you know, lessons learned. And like, you know, she knows how to get through adversity and get right back out there. Yeah. And I think too the power of community, you know, I think that was mm-hmm. another interesting thing that came out of it. And I know, you know, that's part of this goal too, is that when people want to embark on adventures that you have a network that can support you and that looks differently for different people. So let's talk about this 40 day adventure road trip that you did in a minivan. And I just like, just for giggles, actually, like, what were you thinking? (laughs) Why did you you decide to embark on a 40 day minivan road trip with your family? Well, I've always loved travel and adventure. You know, I've lived in Florida and California, and we've traveled all over the country and the world. I mentioned that I've done quite a few road trips, you know, usually a week at a time. At one point in I think 2008, I did like a two or three week trip with my friend, Sean, where we backpacked around Glacier National Park and Yellowstone. And, but it was just me and him, you know, there weren't kids and, and all that stuff. And I always dreamed of doing more road trips with the family. And it just seemed like the time was right that, you know, they're old enough. We could go off on this adventure. I'm running my own business now, designing my own schedule. Like, you know, financially, I'm not quite there yet where it's like, oh, I can just work whenever I want to. But we can make things work and take five weeks off or six weeks off if we really want to. And I think I maybe started with three or four weeks and then it just started, you know, it grew as I realized that we're going to need to spend more time because we're actually, we went coast to coast from Florida to Oregon and back. And, you know, unless you're just rushing, it takes some time. And we were yeah. visiting lots of different people. And I get excited about, I love visiting people in different places. I love hosting people. You know, we stayed with you. We stayed with many other friends around the country. And so I just like, I think we, I think we can do this. I think the family's ready. We looked into, you know, to your point about like, you know, the minivan, we have a Honda Odyssey, a 2011 Honda Odyssey, by the way, I think my family was a little worried. It had 190,000 miles on it when we left or something, but we know those Hondas are rock solid. It's over 200 now going strong. I think we looked at the RV option and I just didn't see how it was going to work because, you know, we want to go into cities and visit people in different places and like, you know, way better than me, but I think you have to have a car, you know, towing a car or something like that. And we don't have the RV and it was going to be expensive. So we said, you know, let's just take the minivan. We'll stop a lot of places. We stayed with friends. 
in several places, partly because we love visiting friends and also that obviously helped us save on expenses. Mm -hmm. uh, we also camped quite a few nights and then we stayed in hotels probably about a third of the time as well. And so like to answer your question, like, I don't know, it just kept kind of growing. I remember when I proposed it to the family at dinner one night and I was like, we could do this shorter option or we could do this longer option. And I really thought that my wife, Courtney, was going to be like, no, I'm not going to be in the car that long. But she was like, yeah, let's go for the longer option. So that's what we did. And there were plenty of challenges along the way, but we made it through and it was just a, a fantastic adventure. Yeah. High level. So you started in Florida and where was your final destination? Yeah, we started in Orlando where we live and we went, you know, a little bit north and east, went through Atlanta. We stopped in Atlanta, Nashville, St. Louis, Kansas City, Denver area. We went to Rocky Mountain National Park. We went up into Utah to the Park City, Salt Lake City area. We went to visit friends in Bend, Oregon, which was the farthest west that we went. We went up and visited friends in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which I loved. And then we went east into Montana and we visited some friends there. We camped in Yellowstone National Park for a few days and we went up. We visited some friends in South Dakota and visited Mount Rushmore. And we went up into North Dakota to visit Theodore Roosevelt National Park. My son's name is Teddy and named for the great president. And so we wanted to visit his national park, which is way out of the way, by the way. Uh, <laughs> at least for yes. me, not for you, not as much for you. And then we headed east from there over to Wisconsin and stayed with your family for a few days and got to explore Wisconsin. And then by that time, we were like, I think we had planned four or five more days, but we were like completely done. And we just like, hightailed it straight home from your house in like two days after that. Yeah. And this one I think is so cool because you did say, this is the power of a network too. And mm -hmm. this is what I love about this community is how did you find out what to do and what kind of things did you do on this trip? And, you know, I know you stayed with friends and stuff, but did you no. have an established itinerary or how did you come up with what to do each day? Yeah. So I am not nearly as organized as you are. We are not. <laughs> and we typically, when my wife and I travel, we take the more fly by the seat of your pants approach. Like let's go to a destination and then we'll get there and like, then we'll figure out what to do. And sometimes that works out well for us because we like to be flexible. Oftentimes it doesn't work out well because you get somewhere and you're like, oh, this would be cool. Oh, it's sold out. Oh, this would be cool. Oh, it booked up three months ago. Right. So some planning definitely is advantageous. I did have a spreadsheet. I do still love a good spreadsheet. So I had a Google sheet where I mapped out like every destination, the number of days, like the number of hours driving in between like, who we were going to stay with, where we were going to stay, who we were going to visit. So I had that spreadsheet, which definitely was essential because the trip was so long to be able to check, especially if like friends one or two weeks or three weeks out are like, hey, what day are you arriving? And I'm like, I don't know. Let me check my spreadsheet so I can tell you what day we're planning on getting there. And part of that made me nervous because for some reason, I just don't like being locked into things. I just really value freedom and flexibility. But I realized, you know, being summer, other people have plans, hotels book up, like we just had to get some of this, you know, nailed down. So we had the sheet that we worked off of. I think I started to look at, you know, potential things that we could do along the way, you know, maybe a little bit of Googling, but my general method of getting information, you know, recommendations is crowdsourcing through social media. So I yeah. posted on Facebook a picture of our route and said, this is what we're planning on doing. Anybody have any recommendations? And I got like 80 comments from people and tons of great advice, especially from you who sent me like some <laughs> detailed, like in this place, do this and this place, do this. There were a few people that did that and it worked out quite well. And then I think I had like a note, you know, in the notes app on my iPhone and I just laced it out, like all the recommendations based on destinations. And then I could just pull that up anytime. Like, oh, we're heading towards the city. Here are the things that we could be doing. Like, let's go check those out. And then some places like Yellowstone, which I've been to a couple times before, we had done Yellowstone like three years before. 
But this time we used the Gypsy app. I don't know if you've, mm-hmm. you've used that. Mm-hmm. Such a great experience. And it really helps you see so much more. And I can't wait to use that more in the future at other national parks because it was really fun. Yeah. We didn't use Gypsy, but we used Shaka Guides in Hawaii on all three islands. It's very similar to that, though, where it takes you, essentially, it's a map, right? And it just mm-hmm. kind of narrates where you're going like a GPS, but it also gives you information along the way. Yeah, that was really awesome. I actually benefited from your Facebook post. (laughs) I can't tell you how many notes I took from people in your network. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's the power of a network. And that's really why I like Ordinary Sherpa, the Facebook group. I'm like, go there too and post those things and share because that's the power of what you can do and learn from each other. Yeah. I know you said you had some really great memories, but you also had some challenges. Do you mind sharing some of those high points and low points from that experience? Oh, sure. Yeah. We had some great memories. We had a lot of fun. We got to see a lot of friends, see a lot of cool places. But we also had, you know, two kids and a dog in a minivan (laughs) and, you know, plenty of challenges. And we're trying to do things somewhat on a budget, which, by the way, you know, we still spent plenty of money, but I think we did very well. You know, we ate a lot of sandwiches on the road. You know, we hardly ever ate out at restaurants and, you know, that saved time and money. A lot of people might be asking, like, what did you do to entertain the kids? And, you know, like, how did you prevent, like, going crazy? So everybody gets to parent their own way, right? And approach things like this their own way. We are fairly limited with screen time at home, right? We Mm -hmm. track all that stuff and make sure our kids don't spend too long on iPads or TVs or whatever. But on this road trip, all bets were off and they were on iPads like... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When you're traveling. Yeah. yeah. It's like, we've got a 10 hour drive today. Like what else are you going to do? Right. And plus that allowed my wife and I to listen to an audiobook or a podcast that we wanted to listen to or have a conversation. So there was that, that definitely helped things a lot. Cause even when I was like, if it's like a 10 hour day and I'm like, look, you're only going to be on screens for half of this. Like you have to take a two hour break now. Then like instantly it's fights. I'm like, mm-hmm. why did I do this? Why did I just <laughs> like instantly, like they're already like yelling at each other. So it's kind of funny, you know, we all deal with this stuff. So a couple challenges, one that was like, there were definitely a couple of moments where my daughter who was seven was just like done, like did not want to continue. It was like, I hate this. I want to go home. One of them was, I remember we were at Yellowstone National Park or we camping and this is probably like three weeks in and she's like, I want to go home. I don't want to do this anymore. And it was so serious that like, I've strongly considered it and was kind of like, all right, if you want to go home, fine, we'll go home. Like recognize that we're still a 30 hour drive from home, but yeah. we will skip the rest of our stops and we'll head there. And I thought we might do that. And then the next day was a better day. And then we had a great time and I was like, okay, do you want to go home or do you want to keep going? And she's like, I want to keep going. And so we did. Right. And sometimes like we have these hard moments, we all have emotions, you know, we don't try to fight it, but just like validate it and listen. And, you know, she was frustrated and that point was like missed her bed and the routine and everything and totally understandable. But then after a while, like we had more fun and she's like, no, let's keep going. And we had a great rest of the trip. Another kind of funny, only funny in hindsight challenge that came up. And I think we told you guys about this, but we had our dog with us. (laughs) And (laughs) so, you know, picture this dog is a kind of a mix of terrier and chihuahua. He's probably about, I don't know, 25 pounds and a cute dog. His name is Rue. He was in the back of the van with us the entire time. Everywhere we went, we stayed with friends like, hey, by the way, our dog's coming with us. And, you know, everybody was totally fine. We were driving across Kansas. We had left visiting friends in Kansas City. We were driving to Denver. For anybody that's made that drive, you know already that's about a 10-hour drive of like nothing, right? It's awful. Flat prairie across the state of Kansas. We were driving across Kansas. I think we just passed Topeka 
And my kids are like, got to go to the bathroom, got to go to the bathroom. I'm like, well, we still got a ways to a rest stop. Like, no, 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 can't wait. We got to go now. So we pulled off of the next exit and it was just a dirt road. There was nothing else there, but it's just a dirt road. Maybe there's a farm off in the distance. So of course, just get out, squat, you know, do your thing in the grass and then get back in the van. And we pull back on the highway and we drive for about two more hours. And then all of a sudden I hear from the backseat, you got to go to the bathroom, we go to the bathroom, right? So this time we pull off on an actual rest stop and we pull into a parking spot and I open the door and the kids are getting out and I look around and I'm like, where's the dog? And <laughs> I know this story, so I'm the having dog, <laughs> the dog was not in the van. And I'm like, oh my God, the dog has to be in the van. Where's the dog? The dog's not in the van. So the dog was not in the van. And the kids have to go to the bathroom. So all of a sudden my daughter is like freaking out because she loves this dog. Where's the dog? We gotta go back for the dog. Comically, my five-year-old son was like, because I was like, oh, I think we have to go back. And he's like, why do we have to go back? Let's just get a new dog. And I'm like, no, that's not how this works. Like, you can't just get a new dog. So I think we had driven about 100 miles, maybe more, because it had been like an hour and a half, two hours. So we turned around and, and headed eastbound back and drove about two hours back. Meanwhile, we're trying to figure out where's this exit that we got off? Because yeah. it was just a dirt road in the middle of nowhere. There was no rest stop. I'm looking on Google Maps. My wife is looking. We think we found the exit. My wife calls like the local sheriff or something. And they're like, no, we don't do anything. <laughs> like, we're not going to go out there. So we finally get back to the area where we thought we were. Like we had been on the phone before we stopped. So I was using like phone records. And we go to this exit we think is the right exit, but it's the wrong exit. So now we're going up and down the highway for another half an hour. So it's been like two and a half hours. And we finally find the exit. And we pull off the road at the exact same spot and the dog is not there. No dog. Mm. Now, keep in mind, this is July in Kansas. It was like 105 degrees. It's so hot. And so we split up and my wife and kids are walking one way. I'm driving down another road. We're calling the dog's name. And my wife saw this tree with shade under it and thought the dog is probably under that tree. And she called his name and his little ears perked up and he popped out of the grass and he came running over. And I came back with the van and we gave him some water and he was good to go. Got back in the van, you know, didn't ask us any questions. And we were just so, so relieved to get the dog back. And from that point forward, that was pretty early in our trip. That was probably like day nine or something. From that point forward, every time we got in the car, I always asked two questions. Number one, do you have your seatbelts on? And number two, is the dog in the van? And we never lost the dog again after that. Lesson learned. Happy ending. Like I'm still imagining like the story tale reunion of the dog. Yeah, Poor Rue. Bounding out from under the tree towards us. And he's like, where did you guys go? Yeah. Ugh. Well, I always love sharing tips that my listeners can learn from so they don't repeat those mistakes. So I think yeah. you've gotten two questions that. The two questions to ask when you're getting in the van, in the car with your kids and your dog are the seatbelts on and is the dog in the van. Very important. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Andy, is there anything else from your trip that you would offer in terms of advice or anything in terms of designing your life that has allowed you to get on this trip that you'd want to share with listeners? Well, you know, we were talking a little bit before about this idea of designing the career and life you want. And I realized that even if you find work that you love, you may not have nearly as much vacation time as I took Mm -hmm. or even you take with some of the adventures you guys go on, right? But I think it's important to do the work that is required. And when I say work, I mean 
inner work. I mean, personal development. I mean, self-reflection. I mean, spending time on your own with a cup of coffee and a journal and thinking about what is the career that you want? What do you enjoy doing? What do you not enjoy doing? What kind of life do you want? And then where do you want to get to? And like, what do you need to get there? And start setting some goals and things you can work on. And, you know, maybe it might be a while before you could do like a big road trip like we did. But finding the work that you love, I think is even more important. I mean, spending time with family is really important. But we spend a lot of time working. We spend a lot of time at work, right? And I hate to think that so many people are miserable in the work that they do. And that these adventures that we're all interested in are only an escape when they could be like complimentary. And by the way, I did a little bit of work while I was on the road. I wasn't like completely gone. I took a couple calls here and there, but we were off the grid, you know, a few times, right? In the national parks and things like that. But I did some client work, very limited, not a ton. But, you know, I think when you get really thoughtful about this, because I know you do this as well, Heidi, with your RV and adventures that you guys take, you take time off, but you also do some work on the road. You know, Tim Ferriss introduced this concept when he came out with the four hour work week years ago is like starting to design the work that you want and the life that you want around the work you're doing and, you know, possibly doing more work remotely if you want to. And I think when he came out with that, it was like this novel concept. And now many of us are working remotely, right? Because of COVID. So that may have created a great opportunity for a lot of people. And it all starts with just being really thoughtful about the, you know, the work you want to do, the career you want to have, the life that you want to have, learning from other people, really important. You know, I know you've created a community You've started, you know, a challenge and, you know, we don't have to figure it all out ourselves, right? So learn from other people, share with others along the way and recognize that like you only really get one life, right? YOLO. And you have a legacy that, you know, you might want to leave. And what do you want to remember at the end of the day? I think a lot about legacy. I also think about what my future self would want me to do. And like when I get to the end of my life, what am I going to be proud of and what am I going to regret? And that really helps guide me in making important decisions like, oh, I'm thinking about doing this thing, but I'm scared. Like, what if it doesn't work out? Or like even taking that road trip, like I mentioned, financially, I don't think we were quite there yet, but I was like, mm, what's going to matter? And I'm saying people need to go take out a bunch of debt to go on a trip. Right. But I was right. like, I'll figure out a way to make the money. I just really want to take this trip with my family. And so now you and I are recording this in January, 2022. And I'm thinking about what are we going to be doing this summer? Where are we going to go? And, you know, do I need to start saving up money now so that I have that ready to go so that we can take more time off? Yeah. There's a quote I actually want to pull from your book because I think it's really Mm. helpful. And I see you emulate this a lot that says life is a journey full of twists and turns and you never know where things will go, but you'll miss out on a ton of opportunities if you aren't willing to ask for help. And Um, I have seen this from you. And I think I have asked you for help in a couple of different areas. I was more than willing to help you in planning your trip. But I think that's another way too. If someone wants help or if they've heard something today and they want to reach out to you and they want to ask for help, I think it's not a sign of weakness. You want to find the people who are ahead of you on this journey and learn from them, right? It's not a, it's definitely a powerful strategy in changing the trajectory of your life. 100%. So like if you figured out there's something you want to do and you're trying to figure it out, like definitely ask for help. Somebody has done it before you, right? So whether it's, you know, growing a business, like find a coach or a mastermind group. If you're trying to create more adventure in your life, join Heidi's next challenge, join her community, right? Like find somebody who knows, like this is Heidi's native genius. He's so good at this. (laughs) I like, I watch you and I'm like, how do you do this stuff? I just want to learn from you and have you design my next trip or even like the 
you know, traveling on points, that kind of thing. I know you've done episodes on that. I've listened to your podcast. You know, I've been doing the points thing for years, but I think you have this innate, like you'd get it and like you figure out how to do this stuff. And I know a lot of people are confused by that stuff. So don't be afraid to ask people for help. Don't be afraid to invest in your own development and getting help. I have invested thousands of dollars in joining mastermind groups, communities, hiring coaches, going to conferences and events. And it just continues to pay off for me over and over again in building my network, all these things. And we just get places a lot faster. And it doesn't have to be thousands of dollars. Like it's, you know, $15 in buying when Heidi's book comes out, you know, make sure you buy that book so that you can learn more about being, you know, an ordinary Sherpa and, and having more adventures. But I heard this quote, I read a lot. And sometimes I still hesitate to buy a book, but I hesitate a lot less after I heard someone say, you know, someone's poured their whole life experience into this book and you're hesitating to spend, you know, $17 to, you know, to gain all that wisdom. Like there's a lot to be gained. So asking for help, get help, like learn from others because we get places a lot faster when we do that. And I think the secret you've made in building your network is also saying, how can I help? Right. Mm -hmm. And and offering help to others. So it's been a great journey. Andy, if people want to help you or if they want to join you or tap into your network, what is the best way for them to follow up with you? Well, there's a lot of places. So you mentioned I have this book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life. It's available on Amazon and other places, but Amazon's the best place to get it. I also have a lot of free resources available, including the three questions to ask when every time you face a big challenge that I mentioned earlier. I've got kind of like a free guide to owning your career, six steps to owning your career, info on my morning routine, and lots of different things. You can get all of those by going to our website, ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash bonus, ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash bonus. So everything is right there. And then, you know, I've got the three podcasts you mentioned. I'm very active on social media. LinkedIn is probably the biggest because I'm in the corporate space, but I'm on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, I've also gotten really active on Twitter since I got into the NFT world in 2021. Yeah, you're a new thing. I love it. I love it. Everyone here listens to podcasts, head on over, subscribe. If any of those are interesting to you on your career, on your life, talent development, hot seat, and my NFT journey, all very fascinating conversations. Leave a review, subscribe. You listen to podcasts. So head on over and check out Andy. Andy, it has been an honor. Thank you so much. So excited to have you in my network. So excited to see your family adventures develop. Can't wait to see what happens next. Thank you so much, Heidi. And I hope to see you out there on the road. Thank you, Andy. Oh my gosh, I have 12 key takeaways for this episode. Number one, Andy thinks of success as being happy with your life. There's no trophy for making the most money or having the best title. For Andy, a happy life includes growth and contribution. Number two, you can have fun in life and still be miserable at work. While this is not a commercial for entrepreneurship, owning your career and owning your life is finding out what lights you up and putting your fears aside. The book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, is a guide to help people own their careers and not have to risk it all to be happy. Number three, we can set an intention or design a life we want and there will still be challenges that come up along the way. When we face these challenges, Andy suggests we ask three questions. Number one, what's great about this? Number two, what can we learn from this? And number three, what does this make possible? Number four, one thing that got him through cancer was the nature of impermanence. This is how it is right now. Whatever we're going through, it's not going to last forever. This feeling, this hard day, this circumstance will pass. Number five, the daily meditation and gratitude practice also help him find things to be grateful for each day. Eventually, he became grateful for cancer. He tries to see every challenge now as an opportunity. 
Number six, life is not a competition. Whatever challenge you have going on feels like the worst thing in the world at the moment for you. Mindset is our outlook and perception on the world. You get to decide what things are good and what things are bad. Number seven, a 40-day minivan road trip grew out of a long-time desire to adventure with his kids. They had the ability and the minivan was just the best viable option. Number eight, Andy loves to connect with friends. About a third of the nights they spent with friends, a third were camping in a tent, and a third were spent in hotels. They started in Orlando, heading as far west as Bend, Oregon. Number nine, the power of a network goes far beyond professional connections. Andy's main resource for planning his trip was crowdsourcing through social media. He added comments and ideas into his notes app on his iPhone and used the Gypsy app in places like national parks to get much better use of his time. A great place to ask questions or ask recommendations is the Ordinary Sherpa Facebook group. Number 10, everyone gets to parent in their own way. Long car rides were great times for screen time, which also allowed the parents to listen to podcasts, audiobooks, or even have a conversation. Number 11, there are two questions to ask after each stop. Does everybody have their seatbelts on? And the second one is, is the dog in the van? Number 12, life is a journey full of twists and turns, and you never know where things will go, but you will miss out on tons of opportunities if you aren't willing to ask for help. Find those ahead of you on this journey. Ask for help. Join their community. Buy their book. Links to all of Andy's resources, including his book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, are in the show notes. I hope you found great value from this episode. I hope you reach out to Andy as well. Or reach out to others in our network. Find a different way, someone perhaps ahead of you on this path. Until next time, I hope you keep on adventuring. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.